You may be busy doing something while you listen to this podcast, but you're never too busy to eat healthy if you eat Vite Ramen. This podcast is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Show support for a sponsor that supports Moore's Law is Dead at the link in the description. And if you do, make sure you use offer code BROKENSILICON. And you can also support Moore's Law is Dead if you need Windows keys or software at cdkeyoffer.com. If you go there, also use the code BROKENSILICON for 25% off Windows keys or die shrink for 3 percent off everything else on the website all right now let's get on with the show Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom, and I, I don't have anything witty. I'm just tired today. Yeah. It's been a long week, a long weekend that I basically ended up working for half of it. Um, nothing witty to say. How's it going, Dan? Pretty good. I uh, pretty good, I suppose. How are you doing after the uh, the the fun work weekend you've had? Right. Yeah. The <laughs> the the leak I put out at, I believe, 3.45 a.m. U.S. Central Time on Friday night, Saturday morning. Um, mm-hmm. It was funny. The next day, a friend said, I thought you said you weren't sure um, if you were going to put out a leak this weekend or not. I guess you decided to. And I said, nope, that's not it. That's not even the leak. <laughs> that was That's a, just an entirely different set of information I got that pushed back the other stuff I was going to do. That I'll actually be getting to in this episode is I just don't have the energy to do multiple videos at once. And the lovely stuff I'm going to talk about later today, I, I want to leak some of it through the podcast. I do want to make that a standard thing we do because it's just we only have so much time every week. Mm-hmm. So it's about time, especially as Broken Silicon's views start outperforming a lot of the special report videos, as I call them. We used to start putting some of our leaks in this. And then once I've had enough time to digest, I'll put out like a full 20 minute analysis of like what I know and stuff, which I'm more NVIDIA information coming in, more Intel information coming in. We'll talk about that this episode. Um, let's get into the opening reader mails. LKRT and then in parentheses, Pigeon. Okay, that's a weird name. He says, hi, Tom and Dan. Since you guys asked us in Broken Silicon 168 to write in about our bulldozer systems, I'm happy to tell you that my old Kavari slash steamroller-based Athlon 4 860K that I use to game on is still doing work in my parents' PC alongside an R7-260X. R7-260X. I believe that was the rebranded HD7790, which was the other card released that actually came out before the 290x but is based on that iteration of gcn why do i remember this like i guess it's useful to my job now but sometimes i wonder why would i remember something that specific but he says it's gaming days maybe number but as an office and light cad machine it's still solid it's seven years old now and i'm kind of waiting in fear for the all-in-one cooler to give up on us yeah it depends on the all-in-one cooler i've had some of those last for over a decade even though some people say they're all going to break in four years um i mean i don't know they're fine and just make sure yeah if it's a good one and it's not being pushed too hard i I have i haven't had one go bad ever Mm -hmm. so you know here's what i'll say we talked about bulldozer and we kind of made some 
you know, remarks making fun of people who might still be using a bulldozer or a pile driver system. And I expected more people. I, I wasn't I expected a ton of people to write in about it. And some people did. Some people are still using bulldozer and pile driver, Dan. <laughs> be honest there wasn't not many not that many wrote in like i, I mean you have to wonder, comments there's like five i have to wonder how many fans of the pop the show or the channel even had a bulldozer slash pile driver system to begin with and then <laughs> then you have to filter out the people that are still using one i mean i don't know the one that's included here it's not even it's not his main computer still it's like a side thing that i uh, says it's in his parents his parents use it primarily i think right yeah, so does that even count? Uh, it kind of counts, I guess. It's it's still getting use. But let me reread, Your Honor, if I may approach the bench. Uh, LKRT said to write in about our bulldozer systems, and he said that his parents are still using it. So I would propose that this is not his system anymore, and thus does not count as evidence. Huh? Kind of true. I'd like to be stricken from the record, please. Um, but yeah, I mean, joking aside though, I will also say that unsurprisingly old Intel owners wrote in as well about their Sandy bridge, Ivy bridge and Haswell systems that are of course from that era. And I will say a lot more of them wrote in that are still using like a, like a Haswell system as well, which I guess due to market share. Yeah. It's not surprising, but I just, I think I stand by there's more people slumming it on an old Intel system, relatively speaking, even if you account for market share, uh, I think there are people, I think the bulldozer people were happy to upgrade to Zen is what I'm I saying. I think you're slumming it less if you're on Haswell. <laughs> I guess that's all I'm saying. So I, I feel like even if we may have come off as a little dismissive of the bulldozer people still out there, eh, as dismissive as you'd think, apparently, apparently well-founded comments. Um, all right, let me get in to the corrections. Richard N. Paul writes in and says, Richard N. Paul is not Richard and Paul. It is my middle name starts with an N. All right, man, look, here's what I'm going to say. Thank you for writing in and thank you for the correction. I will now read your name, not as Richard and Paul, because I thought maybe there's just two people sharing a Patreon account or something, but Richard and Paul. But at the same time, I'm sure there's like a dozen things me and you are mispronouncing or misreading every episode. I mean, especially when it comes to uh, Discord usernames, because Discord usernames, it's like you you look at them and you're like, hmm, I guess I'm going to guess that's how that's pronounced and then go on with my life. I mean, we, we've got all of these names from fans all over the world, and then we have architecture names from all over the world. And then we have every CEO of every major tech company in the That we try uh, to remember. Discord, in our Discord, yes, because a lot of our Discord, a lot of the names of Patreon supporters in the Discord have just chosen the name Jensen Wang or like Raja Kadori. And I would suspect Raja Kadori isn't actually in the Discord, at least not under his real name if he were to be. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know, just I, I guess I just want to take this as an opportunity. The correction stands. Give us a break when it comes to pronouncing stuff, guys. Like we, it's just we spend all this time doing analysis and working on rumors and then it's like i don't really care how i say bergamo to be honest <laughs> uh i say it like bergamo, a, <laughs> bergamo. i'm sure that won't yeah. offend anybody spam to neil writes him and he says in broken silicon 168 you said that the 3090 ti makes absolutely no sense to anybody 
Assuming that the 3090 and the 3090 Ti are within the $50 to $75 worth of each other in price, uh, the 3090 Ti makes more sense to get in my opinion. Almost all of the board designs that the 3090 Ti uses are much better than even most of the highest and standard 3090. Now, I personally hate high power consumption just like you, Tom, but I think being more confident that your GPU won't randomly die is a good trade-off and you can just lower power consumption manually with a 3090 Ti, just like the 3090 at same TDPs, the 390 Ti will probably outperform it. Look, I agree. It's worth spending extra money for a 3090 Ti. But the reason I made that comment is just, as I'm about to get to later in this episode with one of my leaks, I mean, I think the 4070 or whatever is probably going to be $600. It's certainly mm-hmm. over 550 And I believe it's going to at least roughly match a 3090 Ti. So from that perspective, I don't care which one's better. I think both of them need to be under $800 to at least be similar performance with worse efficiency, but extra RAM kind of making up for it. And uh, I just find it highly unlikely 3090 Ti's are going to be below $800 at least before Lovelace is actually out. And I could be wrong. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I've already seen 3090s go below, I think 700 on eBay occasionally today, but well, I mean, we'll see what happens, but like when I look at the what things are selling for right now, like I don't know, man, used card sellers, uh, they've they've got like two two months maybe to get the all their crap offloaded. Are I think it's going to have a pretty big tanking in value because yeah, once you have those cards out, it's going to set a new anchor point for these used cards on the market. Yeah, and I just again like. And, and as far as the, the 3090 versus 3090 Ti, like 3090 isn't is still selling for substantially more than the 3090 used. So I think the 3090 still makes more sense until the 3090 Ti starts dropping on the used market more. Right, because that's the other thing is like I don't recommend getting any of these cards new unless it's an absurd deal. Like it's not like you know, I'm trying to think of like the best examples, but like I think there were some new Nah, there there really aren't any. Like the the fact is is can you get it used for an insane price because the new ones are still selling for well over what I believe Lovelace is going to cost new. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, then that just basically leaves used 3090s because there's no used 3090 Ti's for $800. If there were, then yes, I would say I would say sure, get a used 3090 Ti for 800 over a used 3090 for 750 but I just doubt that's going to happen. And by the way, who is that selling the 3090 Ti now? Would they buy it for 2000 two months ago and now they're going to accept 800 Maybe, but I find that unlikely. <laughs> uh, I'm sure if they're doing that, they're not happy about it. <laughs> no. No, they probably aren't. But um, all right. We are done with the corrections. Let us now get into the first story. Early September Rapture Lake and Zen 4 updates. And I've quite the write-up I put together for this one today is it's an amalgamation. If you go down into the description, everybody of like one, two, three, four, five, like seven links. So as has become customary the past few months, every news cycle seems to bring a shotgun blast of Raptor Lake and Raphael updates that together add more paint to an almost completed painting still in progress of what consumer GPU CPU competition is going to look like this fall. The following updates from Moore's Law is Dead and others this week are as follows. 
Number one, constant leaks from various outlets point to Raphael and Raptor like being very close to performance at the top and having different strengths at the bottom of their lineups. Specifically, it seems the 7950X and 13900K will, as has been reported constantly by this outlet all summer, be within about 5% of each other in both multi-threading and single-threading performance. But near the bottom of the lineups, AMD may have a leg up in gaming, Well, Intel has a leg up in multi-threading. Oh, how the times changed. <laughs> For context, Igor's Labs has leaked the initial launch lineup of Raptor Lake K-chips launching in October that includes a 5.8 gigahertz thermal velocity boost i9 with eight big cores and 16 little cores. And then at the bottom of this lineup is a 5.1 gigahertz i5K with six big cores and eight little cores. Below the i5K, Intel will be rebranding and underclocking the dies used for uh, that were used for i5-12600Ks to fill the non-K tiers. This was rumored for a week that Intel would rebrand Alder Lake into 13th Gen below the i5 Raptor Lake Ks. And Moore's Law said has also been able to confirm that while there were plans for an 8 plus 8 mid-die Raptor Lake type of, uh, you know, like mid-range Raptor Lake die configuration, that bad Alder Lake sales have forced Intel to use Alder Lake instead until that stock sells through. Maybe Intel will reap will launch that mid-tier Raptor Lake die eventually, but it's not a long enough invalidation for this to happen for at least a few months. So keep in mind what this means. The i9-13900K boosts a whopping 14% faster than the i5-13700K. And so it seems incredibly likely, in this reader's opinion, that the 5.3 gigahertz boosting higher than the i5-7600X will probably beat the 13600K in gaming. Furthermore, Moore's Law's dead leak that Intel wants to charge an extra 5 to 30% per tier, depending on the tier, for Raptor Lake over Alder Lake. So it is totally conceivable that the i5-13600K will be $350, more than the 7600X will losing in gaming. And so you can now see why AMD may have brand, uh, priced the 7600X where it did. It's cheaper with better gaming performance than the i5K, and everything below the 7600X is rebanded at Alder Lake, clocked lower. It's not going to compete. So anyways, besides the CPUs themselves, which should be competitive depending on what workload you're looking to use them for, it seems like it's also just overall going to come down to the overall platforms for which CPUs you should buy. And so here's the platform updates. Early X670 and B650, with some exceptions, of course, will focus on milking models, as I would call them, in September and possibly part of October. The pricing will be 20 to 30% higher than initially leaked, but that is just the initial shipment of boards, and we do expect the pricing to drop to what has been leaked and confirmed by AMD by the time Raptor Lake comes out. Let's just to be clear, long-term AM5 leaked pricing remains. B650 is cheaper to make than B550. B650E will be priced like mid-tier Z690. And the nicest B650 Extreme and X670 non-extreme boards should be priced like decent Z690 boards are priced now. And then Z790 will be priced above Z690 by a little bit next to X670 boards pricing. And X670E will generally be, generally be the most expensive boards, but should not hit Threadripper pricing once the dust is settled. It must be mentioned then as well that Intel is expecting or planning to officially support 64 gigabyte DIMMs with Z790. So they can argue that Raptor Lake is better for creators with higher DDR5 memory support. And that is 
Part of the reason why Z790 seems to not be launching until October 22nd, with Raptor Lake launching that week as well. That way, you know, when the Vcash models come out, AMD Intel can just be like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Ours are always better for creators. You have better multi-threading, better, you know, RAM support. Mm-hmm. Um, almost done, Dan. Not, yeah. Almost done. I'm sorry. Oh, and anyways, Moore's Law said also confirmed that Fishhawk Falls, the pseudo HEDT platform from Intel, is launching around quarter two, 2023, with an anonymous Intel engineer, the last broken silicon, confirming what we all suspected and was almost directly confirmed already, that it has the same a lot of the same bugs that Sapphire Rapids. 60 core also has that's why it's not launching this year oh oh also hardware unbox tested 4800 megahertz ddr5 that you can now get for 80 bucks only about 20 percent premium over ddr4 and it seems to outperform even high-end ddr4 so it's pretty much time to start recommending ddr5 as the type of system you should get for all new builds Whew. there is the update stand i thought it was going to be a few stories but i thought eh, let's just Make it one big discussion about competition. It, well, I, I, there's like ten points here. What 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 do you what are your thoughts about all this? <laughs> thoughts? Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> While you're reading the uh, freaking motherboard uh, stuff, I'm getting I'm starting to get the motherboard names uh, and chipsets uh, jumbled up in my head all the time now. So <laughs> that's a good thing, I guess. Um, but I don't know. The thing that sticks out to me the most is uh, the possibility that they're doing five to thirty percent increases in pricing, depending on tiers, depending on a Raptor Lake Raptor Lake product you're uh, talking about, and that really does kind of eliminate all or a lot of Intel's competitive advantage that I felt like they had going into this new generation. And, and you know, I mean, I, I I agree. And look. For anyone listening to this, who anyone who any of the crazies that want to clip this and like throw it at my face on Twitter in a month or two, <laughs> what I'm you know I reserve judgment for when final judgment for when final reviews are out and when we have final pricing. So while I may yeah. suspect some things, all I can confirm is what Intel wants to do, what they're sounds like they're planning to do. If the i5 13600K is three hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll probably recommend it over the 7600X. Maybe I'll lose in gaming, but like, how much really, you know? And it will have like 50% better multi-threading, you know? I think that's a decent... Yeah, that's true. It's decent. So, But at the same time, it's like, okay, but that kind of has to be what it is because if it's 15% more money, like let's say it's 350, and I actually had a couple sources directly say that number. If they want to charge 350 for the i5, which I would understand why Intel wants to and thinks they can, then I go, well, are you a gamer? It loses in gaming. It's more expensive. It's on a dead platform. I don't, you know, I yeah. don't know. Like, it is what it is. I, I mean, if you need more multi-threading performance, it's probably, go- I mean, what? That's 20 threads at that now, right? Um, I have to do a little math equation every time. I, eight uh... plus 12, yes. 20 threads for the i5K. So, yeah, that's definitely an advantage. I mean, the uh, classic meme of, amd more cores uh, i think we need to do a revision of that and <laughs> replace <laughs> amd with intel but yeah. um yeah I, I mean i guess at the bottom of the stack you're going to have better, better multi-threading performance but it's an interesting advantage to have i feel like because i feel like as you spend more money typically what you want is the multi-threading advantage and if at the top of the stack they're both more or less the same it's 
I don't know. I, I, I guess if you you need to do multi-threading on a budget, Intel is the will be the best option this generation. But right, but or on more of a budget, if three hundred fifty dollars CPU still isn't cheap exactly, or I don't think most people would consider that cheap. No, and then everything below three hundred dollars sounds like it's Alder Lake rebrands, and mind you, Alder yeah. Lake rebrands that are clocked to sixty-five watts, so. I don't think they're going to beat the uh, 7600X at pretty much anything. And they're certainly going to lose in gaming. And so is it really a bargain? It's like $200. And keep in mind, AMD reserves the right to launch a 7600 non-X. They totally could just, mm-hmm. oh, and now we're launching this in November. Like, it, nothing. Cost them nothing. You know? Yeah, I mean, because that's now 250 Because if everything below the 13600K is, is all they're like, then that also kind of... It, uh, that that makes the uh like four tw- the thirteen four hundred series mm-hmm. or class of i fives that they put out every year that makes that a lot less enticing because I think for I think for a while now at least the four hundred f whatever they put out that mm-hmm. year is the if you're trying to go more budget that's kind of the CPU to get you know mm-hmm. but it, but yeah now it's it's very vulnerable to yeah. a and, and and if you want to do a budget system, uh, I think I saw at Micro Center the 5800X3D is now 380. I don't have any reason to believe AMD couldn't afford, as they get better at manufacturing, you know, the yields they get out of adding Vcash. Who's to say they couldn't afford to just keep making the 5800X3D and drop that cost to 300 bucks or something and then say, hey, you want to keep using DDR4? Let me recommend the 5800X3D to you that outperforms all other DDR4 Alder Lake systems <laughs> anyways. You have DDR4, yeah. get the CPU with enough cash where it doesn't matter that you're using DDR4. But if you're going to use anything above that, you might as well use DDR5 because this hardware in box shows even 4800 megahertz DDR5 beats fast DDR4 in Alder Lake. So why are you getting these Alder Lake or Raptor Lake systems with DDR4? You're going to lose to Zen 4. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of at this point like the the uh, opposite of future proofing your system, you know, or it's like I guess I'll save a few bucks by uh making my system even more dead end than it already is at this point. Well, and you know, when I first built my Zen 2 system, I carried over my 16 gigabytes of DDR4 uh that I believe was stock 3200 megahertz, but I cl- uh clocked it to 3600 megahertz with cl14 crazy timings on it's what's in my alder lake benchmarking system now still have that 16 gigabytes of really fast ddr4 and eventually when ram got a lot cheaper for a higher capacity i got 37 33 megahertz ddr4 32 gigabytes of it so like if you build a ddr4 raptor lake system you're not upgrading that ddr4 is only going to start getting more expensive than ddr5 next year you're just hope you're happy with whatever ram you're still using for the next or five years, but if you get a Zen 4 system with 4,800 megahertz, just 16 gigabytes, certainly not going to hold back any games right now. And then who's to say in four years you can't get 64 gigabytes of like 8,000 megahertz? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's the amount of RAM we're talking about now. <laughs> I, I actually did think that was an interesting point you brought up with the motherboards that uh, Z790 will support up to 64 gigabyte DIMMs. Do you... Do you think hmm. si- there will be standard consumer systems or that will be a significant amount of people that 
will want 64 gigabyte dims so like 256 gigabytes of ram yeah i i mean i'm not saying it's not a benefit to have that as i don't know it's just i i it's definitely something you can market better it's just i I wonder if people that want to have 256 gigabytes of ram i think will tend to want to be on hed platforms instead anyways right maybe but yeah, and you just queued up a point I wanted to bring up next. Thank you oh. for being <laughs> psychic. Um, from what I've heard from a couple people, Intel feels like they have to try to market Raptor Lake as a pseudo HEDT mm. system. Number one, because they're not sure long term they're going to hold any gaming performance crowns because Zen 4 Vcash is coming. But also because Fishhawk Falls is delayed. So I think Intel is going to market this stand just because they know AMD is going to start teasing Threadripper in like yeah. January. And so they're like, well, our crazy weaker 24 core fish hawk falls is going to release when it doesn't really matter anymore. So let us market Raptor Lake for what it's good at. Multi-threading, RAM support, and this is our HEDT system, guys. Well, and to an extent, I guess it's... Kind of is. I, I mean, what? It's, uh, it, it's what, 32 threads now, uh, mm-hmm. 24 cores, I mean. A few years ago, this definitely would have been thought of as an HEDT system. <laughs> and I, I I know comparing it to a few years back is, you know, somewhat flawed. But I, I think it's worth looking at, like, having that perspective of how fast systems are changing. And how mu- uh, just, you know, how much benefit you're actually getting from having so many more threads uh, when... Uh, you know, I, I don't even know if a lot of the software is necessarily caught up to it yet. Well, I mean, by the way, this might put things in perspective. I think I saw in one of those, you know, countless articles on some rumor website about leaked Cinebench scores for the 7600X. I thought I saw one of them placed its multi-threading performance close to where the 1950X is, meaning that a six-core Zen 4 and multi-threading is close to a 16 core zen one and i just think that's <laughs> funny to think about in the context yeah. of like how far we've come for what we used to consider hedt and what now people are like why don't i have at least 800 cores in my system we'll certainly be there eventually <laughs> yeah um all right actually also completely on subject for what we're discussing right now j maddie ice writes in and he says hi tom and guest no silly names this is an important question tom I really appreciate your long-term thinking when it comes to AM5. I really want to build a Zen 4 system so I can just upgrade to Zen 5 Plus or Zen 6 in a few years and not have to switch motherboards. But my holdup is this. Will DDR5 last that long? If DDR6 or PCIe Gen 6 come up in less than three years and I need to upgrade my motherboard anyway to get the best features of Zen 6, I might use Intel. What do you think? Well, number one, I wouldn't worry about PCIe Gen six being something you need for good performance um i I mean i would consider pcie gen 5 to be similar to pcie gen 3 where that came out with ivy bridge and then that was all we needed for the majority of a decade (laughs) you know (laughs) or like at least five years more than five years yeah so majority i think so um i know Gen 4, honestly, was kind of long overdue. Intel, people I talked to at Intel say this themselves, that they think Comet Lake should have had Gen 4, that they and maybe even Coffee, like that they thought it was silly they didn't move forward with that sooner. But it made up for lost time, and then Gen 5 
is coming just a few years later and boom done like more than enough now like gen 3 was over gen 2 over Mm -hmm. gen 1 so i wouldn't worry about that and i would add guys there's always a bottleneck in your system you can always buy something better every year a one percent bottleneck for running gen 5 in three years versus gen 6 i wouldn't cry about but um but additionally though the actual question about ddr5 what i wrote down here is I totally expect 8,000 mega transfer DDR5 in uh, two years, you know, minimum, maximum. And I think we'll hit 10,000 mega transfer before Zen 6. So, I mean, DDR, what's, it at, what's it at right now? It's like 62, 6,600, okay. you know. So, you know, it started at kind of 4,800, but that was slower. But no matter how you look at it, like DDR4 really kind of started at 2133 megahertz, which was the same speed as the DDR3 I was using at the time, mm-hmm. actually, all the way back then. Um, and now we have uh, 3800 megahertz is pretty standard even. And I, I would say then with that notion, I again, like how far do you think DDR5 is going to go? I, I think yeah, I think it I, I don't I think mean, it'll be as long lasting as DDR4 necessarily, because I think there's some stagnation there from of course being stuck on the same nodes, which are also used to make RAM in a different in addition to graphics cards. But no, I, I think I, I, I think I, it's I, gonna last you yeah, the whole platform life. I, I mean it, shorter maybe it, it, because what DDR4 I guess came out in 2014, so it's been around for eight years now, which doesn't feel like it's been around for that long, but I guess that's what getting older feels like. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, DDR5 will probably be around for at least four years, I would think, right? <laughs> exactly. And so it's like, I, I, have, I have no doubt that DDR5 will not bottleneck Zen 5. And mm-hmm. I think it's unlikely it highly bottlenecks Zen 6. And so you're going to get at least, a, and, there, and then if it does, they'll have a Zen 5 plus, I'm sure, or something. You know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, look, DDR5 is going to be fine for like four years at least. So, I, I, no, I would not buy a DDR4 system now because you think you're going to need to get DDR6 or PCIe Gen 6 in two years. I don't think you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ellie Abs content writes in and says, Hey Tom, why are tech heads on YouTube bashing AMD for a $300 CPU, the 7600X, competing with Intel's current gen i9-12900K flagship, and then continuing to say Intel is going to dominate in the low-end segment, but failing to mention that AMD's new AM5 platform is long-term support and Intel's a dead platform? Are they just idiots or don't want to admit they're wrong about their predictions? Oh, well, there is definitely a lot of people that bashed Zen 4. I mean, my God, after that initial debate where I just put out a video, one of the times I also put out a video in the middle of the night this year, where I'm like, are you guys actually buying this sandbagging from AMD? They said, there are people that said Zen 4 is the new bulldozer, and, and those people were fucking stupid. Like, I'm just going to say it. The new bulldozer, I mean, I don't know how dumb you get. Like, what AMD is showing is a performance uplift higher than what Zen 3 brought. Overall, and in everything, I think, actually. Like, even even if you completely bought the sandbagging that they had, it was just, what? So which you can we, say I was we, lucky, but I, I was sure they were sandbagging. 100% yeah. sure. So so what? We Zen 4 is just, instead of uh, another big increase like it's typically been for uh, the entire lifespan of Ryzen, it, it, instead we have one year 
or one generation where it's a meager Im- increase, I mean, it, it still wouldn't be Bulldozer. So <laughs> Exactly. And it's like it uses more energy than Zen 3. I mean, yeah, it seems like this is the time AMD's like it's finally time to pull the clock speed lever. But at the same time, it's not like Intel's going to use less energy. Uh, might have similar cooling requirements because of the heat density, but it's not going to mm-hmm. use less energy. Zen 4 is much more efficient. So, yeah, I think there's... I Honestly, I think a lot of people that doubted Zen 4 are just digging their idiot hole deeper because they have too much ego to admit they are wrong i mean that is all there is to say and then the only other thing i can think of is i I think there were some people that because of the 5700x launching they were hoping the eight core would be would Hmm. be moved to the 300 dollars tier I, i mean i was hoping that too yeah i was hoping that but at the end of the day it's not like the 7600x is going to be worse than the 5700X in anything. No, the 7600X is moving 5800X 3D performance to the $300 mark, which was previously 450, which was trading blows with Intel's 500 to $600 flagships. To say that's bad is, okay, well then you can go get rebranded underclocked Alder Lake below it. I mean, because that's what Intel's offering for less money. And at the end of the day, do I... Wish it was cheaper, yes, but in a world of inflation, there's a part of you that goes, at least they're not charging three fifty for it. You know, I mean, God, it's so I mean, they I don't I actually think that they're keeping decent margins, but they're not being greedy. I I, I what I really wish would have happened, to be honest, is I thought three hundred dollars was the best case scenario, but unlikely. I, I was really hoping the um seventy seven hundred X would be three fifty and the 7600x would be like 280 or something or 250 but at the end of the day it's not the best case also not the worst case so it is what it is (laughs) Um, yeah i I mean i i don't know things can always be could have always been better but this is the fact that uh, in general i don't think they moved really any of their pricing tiers up is good and i mean and they even moved one of their tiers down and they still haven't get to say it again launched a 7700 or 7600 non-X. They still could, guys, if they think they need to. But right now, this is AMD's bet on what they can price things at to be competitive. So mm-hmm. we'll see if they're wrong. And if they are, hey, what is the 5700X? It's Isn't it like 200 bucks now or something on Amazon? Like, these things are allowed to go down in price. You know, this is just where they think they can probably get it to be. Um, and, the, and the final thing I'll say is something I forgot to mention in the write-up because it, so, it was an entire novel that I read there today. Um, Raptor Lake launching October 22nd. As far as I'm concerned, I leaked this in the past week. I believe that's when Z790 launches, guys. And I have, I I guess I won't elaborate on like what I get that info from, but that week for sure, October 17th through 22nd is when Raptor Lake is launching. Will they maybe push it up? Could it be the 17th or the 20th or something? I have heard 20th from some people for something. So I'd imagine at least reviews are them. Um, yes, but again, I, I know there's some people arguing over which exact day, just that week. Um, that week is when Raptor Lake is coming out as well, which is like three weeks after AMD, who will have competitive stuff for the same or less money. So I don't know. I don't know whatever man writes in. And he says, hey, Dan's brother and Dan. 
I failed to write in for the anonymous Intel engineer episode, but I'm going to ask it here then, nonetheless, because I'm still curious. Is Intel finally going to allow full-fledged overclocking and tuning on their lower-end motherboards? The press right now is in a very weird mood in regards to who they favor, and they never bring this up. Allowing for overclocking on lower-end boards than ZX90 would turn heads towards Intel, I think, in a positive way. I can't say for sure, but from what I'm hearing, probably not. Honestly, I wouldn't expect a lot of overclocking support above below the 60 tier of Intel motherboards from what I've heard. I mean, what one it would be one of those features that would be nice, but how long has how long have they disabled that for? I mean, it's been as long as I can remember, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah, um and it's like every now and then there's like an accidental allowance and like one of the BIOSes you can install lets you do it. But no, I don't think Intel wants to do that with like H610. I don't even know if I've leaked that. Is that even out yet? I think Intel is going to launch like an H610 next month as well or something. I don't, oh. I don't even remember. I lose track of all the little details. So throw that in for you guys now as well. But um, I don't know. I mean, we just covered a lot. We covered... The Raptor Lake, Alder Lake rebranding. I don't know. I mean, the only thing I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know that there's anything else to cover here from all of these updates. Um, well, besides, I guess, let me say, I do wish I would have been more clear in my leak about pricing for AM5 motherboards, what I meant. There are some people in the comments like, oh, now he's changing his pricing. It's like. Guys, I said B650 would start below $300, and AMD has publicly said and put in a slide starting at $125. So, like, they've confirmed my B650 pricing. I said it'd be below $130. They say it starts at $125. I didn't want to say exact numbers in that leak because I didn't want to give away sources. Uh, me saying the initial shipment of motherboards is going to be a little more expensive does not change anything. From I, I maintain what I've said about pricing entirely. You have to keep in mind that you're off by about, for one thing, you're off by like 4%, Tom, so. I mean, I, I, I'm off by, well, yeah, but you said below 130 so you could have meant $80, hedging as usual. <laughs> hedging would have been, be, uh, it will start at uh, below uh, 190 I'm A, a it little bird tells me it's between 80 and $500. It, it, yeah, something like that. I, I'm certain it will be somewhere below $180. And that means anywhere from zero to 180. Mm-hmm. Definitely have real sources if I were to say something like that. Crazy, what is it? Hey, what's this message over here? You want treats, belly rubs, walks, and to not overpay for Windows keys. Well, I can definitely handle the treats, belly rubs, and walks on my own. I can't help Reese with getting reasonably priced Microsoft keys without CDKeyOffer.com. This piece of content is sponsored by CDKeyOffer.com, a long-term sponsor of Moore's Law's Dead and its community for any time someone in my community needs reasonably priced Office or Microsoft operating system keys without paying excessive monopolistic pricing. But that's not all they offer either. They also have great deals on PlayStation, Steam, Origin, and Uplay keys, and physical products like gaming chairs and keyboards and mice as well. They are always running sales, but make sure you use the best code possible provided 
for Moore's Law's Dead fans for the biggest discount. Use the links in the description or on screen and then the code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off Windows codes or die shrink for 3% off everything else on the website. Being on these links really does help the channel a lot and using the offer codes helps it even more. It keeps CD Key Offer as a reliable sponsor for this community and for you to use again in the future as they keep sponsoring us. Go to cdkeyoffer.com today. Um, let me move on then here to story number two. Okay, so I just titled this, we need to talk about what's going on in leaker coverage. <laughs> this was a major component of one of my recent videos exposing a fake leaker. Here's the write-up. So I'm not sure how much time we should give this, but I do believe it's worth mentioning twice, once in the video and once again in this broken silicon, that the YouTube account FCL or Qubit Leaks was a troll account created to prove how little thought goes into the posting of recent leaks on many tech websites and YouTube channels. FCL posted bogus arrow lake information that I can debunk, that I officially debunked, uh, entirely made of 4060 and 4060 Ti info. It's not coming for a very long time, guys. They're not testing them. And three, uh, three, an internal NVIDIA benchmark chart that literally wasn't labeled <laughs> and yet was reported on by multiple le websites and hilarious half-finished RTX 3080 renders that, again, that Twitter account didn't even say what they were renders of, but a bunch of websites said that all of a sudden the 4080 had been leaked. And he, also not covered by other websites, but yet they covered other things from this Twitter account, claims that something 80 times better is coming. <laughs> Multiple tech outlets quoted these tweets, added whatever they wanted as an explanation. These were fake. Anything from FCL, anything from Qubit leaks, they were all fake. And I really just think it's insane anyone wrote stories based on some of this stuff. And, 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 you know, I'm actually getting really annoyed too because, like, I leaked Zen for. Vcash performance early early performance numbers and that it's launching in quarter one um and then even sites like gamers nexus wouldn't cover the stuff that i leaked until a twitter account farted out vague info about <laughs> zen 4 x3d having good gaming performance and launching quarter one like it's just ridiculous it's like so what i need some ridiculous twitter account to quote what i said a week later for you guys to quote this well-researched and explained YouTube video. I don't know what makes some websites, including major ones, for some reason, not take leaks seriously unless an anime girl profile picture of a Pokemon tweets something. But it is, it's getting absurd. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's just a lot of sites and uh, uh, some YouTube channels, like, they act like aggregators for rumors more so than anything a lot of times. And I think we can have a discussion on the usefulness of that to begin with, even if you like include actual commentary on it. Um, or I shouldn't say if you include critical commentary on whether you think uh, these re rumors are fake, which I don't think most of these outlets are doing that at this point. I, I even think that has questionable value because just propagating things mm -hmm. you don't think are real, even if you say, well, I think it's fake, is just, it's still propagating. So then what are you saying? Idea. Yeah. Um, but it, it's like this guy had 300 followers or somewhere. He had like 200 that. when some of those tweets were put out. Yeah. So he had like, I, 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 two I to think 400. The, yeah. 
the NVIDIA benchmark leak was definitely the thing that got the most coverage. I mean, several several websites covered that. That I mean, I, I don't even know. Uh, I don't use them that often, but like, I, I mean, I guess they're all sites that cover rumors, but several sites that I feel like kind of verge on the more not rumory stuff even covered it. And it's just like, listen, try to put some critical thought into what you're covering. If you're going to cover, especially things like a rumor from a completely unverified Twitter account that has no credentials to it, no track record of being correct on anything or not. And if you're not going to do that, all you're doing is spreading likely wrong information. You know, sometimes after he even uh, said he was making shit up. <laughs> right. You said that there were some YouTube channels that literally referenced the leaks again after it. He publicly said they were made up. Not yes. even just me. He did. Yes. A- a- yes. After he said, you got me and said all of it was made up. I mean, and that just, if they can't even keep track of when their own, when the Twitter leaker they're covering themselves says it's fake, why is anyone listening to these channels? I don't know. I don't know, man. (laughs) And it's like, at a certain point, it's just, I don't want to dwell on this too long, but like, Copite, forget me, Copite wasn't taken super seriously until he was like one of the only people to get the FP32 core count correct for Ampere, all of those details. And then like you just make a Charmander picture and now or, or like some guy pops up that tweets a thousand different things every week. And it takes him saying Zen 4 Vcash launches quarter one before anyone covers it, even though I put together like this like a very like in-depth coverage of what Zen 4 Vcash is going to look like and when it's going to launch. It's like some of these websites really need to take a hard look at why, like why they cover people before and what they're doing now. And I got to say to this community, this community is not going to get better unless you guys make it better too. You got to stop rewarding the, the worst coverage. It's just insane. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like some of us put a lot of effort into this guys and it's, it's just bad. I mean, and, and you know, I go, people, and I see this in the comments, it's like, well, what do you expect out of modern journalism? And I say, I don't know, you're the one fucking clicking on those stupid videos and articles. Yeah. Why do you think modern journalism is bad, community? Who's giving them the clicks? But that's all I got to say before I get more mad. <sighs> Let us move on to another story here that made quite a lot of waves <laughs> in the past few days. Story number three, Intel finally confirms ARC specs amongst rumors of discrete being effectively canceled. Right here is the write-up. Recently, Intel finally confirmed ARC specs, Moore's Law is dead, leaked months, if not arguably years ago. (laughs) The A770 is a 225-watt, 8 or 16-gigabyte card with 512 execution units and 256-bit bus. The A750 is a 225-watt card with 8 gigabytes of RAM, 448 execution units and a 256-bit bus. And the 580 is, the A580, is a 8-gigabyte, 384 execution unit, 256-bit card that, as far as I can tell, was the... I'm the only one who leaked that configuration. And that's... But yeah, all these are coming from the top die. So far, there still seems to be no mid-range die that's coming out. Um, and, it, and it really is worth noting, though, 
that those A580 specs, I believe I'm the only person who said, no, I think it's going to be 256 bit, even for the A580. It's worth reiterating that I think we were the only ones who got that right because, well, I have other stuff I've leaked recently that is pretty, that's really quite a big deal. And, you know, me pointing out that I've gotten these other things right isn't a brag, guys. It's just to say, well, I've gotten these other things right. So please take what also I'm about to say seriously. Moore's Law is dead recently leaked that the decision to cancel Arc Discrete has effectively been made and that Intel cannot afford to prop up AXG to the degree they were hoping they would be able to a few years ago when they announced the Arc, or I guess at the time, the XE Odyssey. The fact is that Intel thought Arc would launch into a market hungry for any product that has GPU written on it in Sharpie. But from what Moore's Law is dead is hearing, NVIDIA has years of Ampere stock, both used and new to sell through next to Lovelace and RDNA 3 over the next 12 months. And thus, Intel knows that with that heavy availability, heavy competition now, and also the fact that RDNA 4 and Blackwell are going to be killer architectures launching for the end of 2024, Intel does not think they have any hope of catching up in performance in GPU until 2025. And therefore, in a down market, their inferior products will be impossible to sell. They don't have the money to bet on any losing products anymore. These are the types of decisions, by the way, guys, AMD had to make when they like only had Polaris and Vega for like two or three years. <laughs> it's because that's all they could afford to make and they couldn't bet on anything that wouldn't sell. Multiple sources corroborate that after the initial Alchemist launch happens, PC gamers should massively temper any expectations of exciting discrete desktop cards coming from Team Blue in the future. It sounds like a monolithic low-end Battlemage product might be in the works for next year, but that's about it. Discrete is effectively canceled. Don't expect any giant lineups of discrete desktop cards. Don't expect any large lineups of discrete laptop cards after Alchemist. And AXG is unlikely to be entirely killed off, but layoffs are expected. Um, and they'll they'll keep making data center cards for the foreseeable future, but it just doesn't sound like a lot of gaming cards. And uh, this also comes next to another thing here I'm going to quote from a report uh, reported on by Tech Power Up. During Evacore ISI TMT conference, Intel announced that the company would continue to lose market share with a possible bounce back eventually in the coming years. According to the latest report, Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger announced that he expects the company to continue to lose its market share to AMD as the competition has too much momentum going for it. The only down years that are supposed to show a toll of solid competition are 2022 and 2023, and they hope to bounce back by 2025 and 2026. Pat Gelsinger even emphasized, and listen, guys, he said this, that the company will continue to exit more businesses where it doesn't thrive over this and next year. And he, he literally said, just like we did with Optane Memory. So we could see Intel point out of other markets that don't align with the leadership's vision. So, yeah, this was, uh, this was a big deal. And um, I, I don't know, Dan, I know me and you were going to play video games Friday night. And I was like, uh, and I just sent you like a cryptic message. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> What did yeah. you think about this report? You know, I mean, of course, me and you have been talking about this privately here and there. Is this a, is this a complete surprise to you that it's happening? That effectively, and I say this word, guys, because I don't know how Intel is going to spin this, and I wouldn't rule out a product here and there coming. But what do you think about Intel effectively canceling Discrete Arc? 
I think any argument that like things are going well with Ark are absurd. I mean, we're now pretty much six months late to what they said it was going to be at this point, I think, or around when it was going to come out. So that ship has so far from sail that's kind of ridiculous at this point. And the only conclusion you can have is that something there's some turmoil going on in that in that division at Intel. If you would have asked me in July, would I think that Battle Mage might not be a full launch? I would have said no. So, I mean, I I guess the best I can say is I think things have changed and shifted fast. But the the longer this release is stretched out, the more it feels like it's failing. Almost, it's almost even worse than if they had just said nothing for six months and then published this. Uh, this report or this, uh, I mean, a uh, piece that they did the, uh, the past, when was this in the past week about the uh, specs of Intel arc, like they had just gone silent for like six months. The a 380 randomly drops or something on new egg. Mm-hmm. And then this comes out and they say, these are the specs. I don't know. I would be like, that was weird, but I guess uh, Intel arc is back on track. But at this point, it just feels like they're trying to, claw some type of at least have some type of popularity in the media to try to stay relevant while the cards just continue to not come out so i mean i guess that's a long way of saying at this point it doesn't feel surprising that arc is being effectively canceled i mean the the fact that battle mage might not be a thing is a bit surprising because i kind of thought they would at least give it two generations to get on track but maybe that was just optimistic or because you know the first generation of everything is i don't think is going to go perfectly mm, second sorry dg2 second that is <laughs> i'm gonna continue to be a jerk about that anytime people says first gen second gen it, Optimus it, is their second try <laughs> it's their first try that they publicly told us about <laughs> No, DG1 no, had DG1 developer boards. No, DG1 this is their out. second try. This is what, try number two. This is what the uh, sophomore try looks like for Intel, I guess, <laughs> in AXG. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think what they should have done is... And, and, and look, you know, I think we just have to acknowledge how much of the weirdness, how much of the schizophrenic messaging about ARC is the fact that parts of Intel are lying and not talking to each other. I think if I were to say what I'm about to say, Pat would go, well, yeah, hindsight's 2020. No shit, Tom. Like, I think they should have announced early March, hey, we're delaying things six months. Just say it. It's coming out end of September. We're delaying things six months. We'll have updates. It'll be exciting. And so people would be like, oh, they delayed things six months. And then when they show off XE super sampling and some slick video, people are like, oh, we're finally hearing more. It must be coming. It must really be coming. You know, the reason I think Pat didn't do that, though, is because he did not know when this thing was going to be ready because no one was telling him the truth. And you have to wonder if that's how it would have happened if... um... I guess I don't know what the AXG division looks like internally, but you have to wonder if... That's what it was instead, and there was kind of this. There, there wasn't a constant pressure that c- continues to get even higher and higher on them. Maybe the development would have gone more smoothly, and 
maybe they would be in a better place than they are right now if they had just come out and said, this isn't going to be ready for six, seven, eight months or something. I mean, I think to some extent, I'm not an engineer. And once again, I don't know what's going on internally in Intel, but like, uh, <laughs> I, it seems like at least uh, Alchemist is to some extent doomed at a hardware level. But I don't know. Maybe they could have figured something out. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I saw in the Moore's Laws at Discord, which you get access to if you support us on Patreon, uh, a discussion going on from people about... Honestly, they were just kind of making fun of what people said is the hopium on Twitter right now, pretending <laughs> like that... Because there, there is weird. There's like this... I'll be honest, like 95% of people saw my leak and were like, well, she, it's dead, Jim. Put a fork in it. But there are these people that for some reason are like, well, there's no way this is true. They just said, and I'm like, what they just said that they're exiting businesses is what they just said. I mean, um, but I mean, like they trying didn't to... to be fair, they didn't specify any businesses. And sure, there, there's a ton of businesses. I'm sure Intel is involved in that we don't ever really think about but, or that we spend a lot less time thinking about than uh, this, I would say. But still. But but it's worth reiterating that until the decision is made, Pat's job is to try to have his engineers keep their head down and working. And whatever Tom Peterson or Ryan Trout say doesn't matter. It'd be like what the Optane people said before the rug was entirely pulled out and hundreds of millions of dollars were thrown away last like out of nowhere. It's like no, the people true. working on it and marketing it, they're going to act like nothing's wrong because they're not told if something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Although I suspect they've actually heard from what I'm hearing actually now, because actually since I put that video out, um, I had a couple more Intel contacts that, you know, I'm putting out in the middle of the night, I didn't have time to talk to everybody uh, that reached out to me and said, hey, no, like there really are talks about ARC being about to be shut down. And some of those people were people that didn't believe my early ARC might be canceled video, that they mm -hmm. were like, I don't think that's true. And now those people, for everyone listening, are now telling me, yeah, I'm now actually hearing the same. So. And uh, keep in mind, that was like, that wasn't that long ago. I mean, that was about a month ago. And mm -hmm. that's, that's a big, or that's a big shift in a month then, I would say. Yeah. But, um, so like, and you know, I don't actually don't want to dwell on the people doubting if it's true or not. Like I wouldn't have put this out unless I was pretty damn sure guys, but, uh, this is a crazy thing to say without like several phone calls and putting things together here as i said in the video but what i s replied to people in the moore's laws discord uh moore's laws dead discord about when they were like what's with the hopium you know why do these people like keep hoping like for things to turn around and i said i my answer to this guys is what are people even hoping for anymore it's argue it's mid-september and it's not out so hoping for something what are you hoping for it's it, it's dead like this is time's up yeah and, <laughs> and with graphics obviously i wanted intel's graphics to succeed i mean i was excited about intel's graphics pretty much all the way up until like january this year and that's when the steady decline in enthusiasm i would say started mm -hmm. when it comes to intel as then as March passed, it's where it hit a massive tanking point. It's like, well, their their fake launch date they didn't even manage to hit, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, or or not their fake launch date. Their the 
launch date that they, uh, how would you put it? They're the lie that they told us to, about what that was the act we've ascertained was the actual launch date. They didn't even hit that. And it's like, at a certain point, I, I what is there to be interested in anymore when it comes to Intel's graphics division? I mean, if... Like, what, yeah, manage, what are you hoping for? It's September and it's not out. What at are you a hoping point, it's Yeah, I, I mean, you can tell me, uh, hey, there's going to be a n- new startup company that's putting out Intel. I mean, that's putting out awesome Art. graphics. Yeah. No, or, or there's some new startup that I'm not going to tell you about, but they're putting out awesome graphics and we should be excited and talking about this. What What are we talking about? Yeah, sure. A- awesome. Have, have five entrants in the market. Uh, make it... Not a duopoly, not a triopoly. I don't know if that's a term people use, but not a triopoly. Let's like have six entrants into the market and all talk about that fantasy world and how awesome that would be. It's just that's but not if that does happen, one. it's not Arc. Yeah, it's just that's Arc's not be, one of them. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying a hypothetical. That's not the reality. And so no, but like I'm, so I'm trying to, to piggyback off of what you're saying because people are like, we need a third entrant. I'm going to still hope it comes out. And I'm and I think I finally thought of a good way to say this. I don't know what you're hoping for because it's already happened. It's already <laughs> not launched. Yeah. So if you're hoping for our Alchemist to turn itself around, then what you you don't need to hope it comes out. You need to invent a fucking time machine because it's September. And what you should be hoping for is that you can go back in time and make it come out five months ago. Because the fact of the matter is, it's not out. It's not going to be working with decent drivers for months. And we know, as we're about to get to in a leak that I'm going to have today, there is endless NVIDIA cards to buy for the next year. They've overbought up four nanometer supply for Lovelace. RDNA 3 is going to have more supply than RDNA 2. We don't need more cards. So it's not even solving a purpose. What you needed, what you should be hoping for is a time machine to make this launch in quarter one when it would have even fucking mattered if it came out. Or. And I know it wouldn't go into graphics cards because, you know, how space is, I mean, how uh, capacity is allocated and the fact that none of these cards are developed on, have been developed on, uh, I can't, six nanometer. But, uh, uh, okay, I, I guess I don't know how much manufacturing they've actually put into uh, Intel Arc at this point, but wouldn't it be better if just some other product at this point had been used? had been used for that capacity that was brought up other than this yeah. BS that we don't have. And as you say, we don't really need any more because demand has seemingly vanished as prices plummet for graphics cards. It's just what, what function are they serving at a certain point? If Alchemist comes out and they, there's a, well, if you ask Tom Peterson, it's already out. Well, Tom, the a 380 has been sold to, an unknown number of people on Newegg already, and they're not restocking it. So I'm sure that's a good sign, right? Well, it says they might. I'm looking. Oh, they might restock. They, okay. I think they're going to, but who knows if that's ten more cards or what? But it's but just it's, if if it launches, if Alchemist launches with four cards, and somebody says there's not many bugs, it performs well at the performance tier they're advertising, and all of those issues that we saw with the mm-hmm. A380 early on with the uh, frame times are mitigated i'd be like great i guess that's another thing you can get if you need a budget card that but that's my opinion on at this point because there's they've just lost 
they've taken too long and they're not it's not an interesting launch anymore the thing that's interesting about the launch is how fumbled it's been that's that's the interesting story at this point it's not the hardware well and the waste of sand point that you brought up is something that i i I don't know if i've emphasized enough guys i i have the production logs or I, I have a document showing when they made the dies. Let's just put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd call production logs. What it, you know, that's what I have. And these were made in quarter one. They were, they literally, the wafers came out quarter one. Okay. And that, you know, they're, it, it, they're made over the course of a few weeks. So eventually they started shipping those really early, you know, SOC two one twenty eight execution unit models with the very first wafers they got, I think made in about, I think uh, February for SOC two. I'd have to look it up again. I, f- I forgot. I haven't looked at that document for a while. But you know, all of those dies that were used to make these cards, where the majority of the volume is just, as far as we can tell, still sitting on shelves waiting to be packaged or being packaged now in a market that doesn't need more cards. All of a sudden, those wafers could have been used to make. I think. I mean, think of the sixty five hundred XT that outperforms the A380, and might even come just below an A588 gigabyte. Well, okay. They could have used that same capacity because the die size is only 107 millimeters squared to probably make like 8 million at least. 6500 XT, 8 gigabytes, and launch those in February. Or I said, well, March. AMD could have done this. And instead, what we got is a bunch of cards no one can use. And I actually have links in the description here that I want people to like look at where the reviews on Newegg, like I've seen reviews where people say most frustrating card I've ever owned. Like the good reviews are like hoping it gets better. And I've got another link to someone on hard forum that is journaling his experience with the a 380 because he thought, well, I'll use it for like encoding or something. And like, oh, he Lord. can't, he can't get it to work. And like half of the people getting these cards can't, Use them, guys. So why, what do you want to happen? Or, or like to harken back to a, a video we've discussed on uh, the podcast before. I think it was, yeah, it was a Gamers Nexus video where they basically showed that like the, the A380's drivers like are a house of cards that if you like adjust any settings on them, it just becomes a buggy mess to the point where like it almost bricked several of their systems. And it's just, yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like the A380 is a giant pain to use. So, I mean, to I this know, day, because so, if you go yeah. to hardforum.com post, this person still can't even get the thing to work to this day. It's, and people say drivers are getting better. Not good enough. It's half the people I talk to still say it doesn't work today. Yeah. So, I, I just don't know what the product that you're hoping for is. It's it just because it hasn't it's happened not already. It's just not there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, it's like, I, I yeah, I want a third entrant into the market. Having three competitors is better than a duopoly, but that's just not the reality. Yeah, and uh, well, I, I, I guess the final thing I'll say on this part of the podcast is, and I said it before, I've said it in a few videos now, especially the art cancellation leak I just put out. No one would benefit more from Alchemist succeeding than this YouTube channel. No one. We had pictures first. I had the specs in 2020 for the top Alchemist cards. I had it before they even named the damn thing. No one would benefit more from being the channel 
who leaked Alchemist first, leaked performance first, and then it comes out and it does great. That would benefit. I'd be the channel that was on the forefront of a new entrance into a market. It'd be like if I leaked Zen two years before Zen came out and it did well. I imagine that would give me a lot of credibility. Yeah. Selfishly, I want Alchemist to succeed, not even just to help the market because I buy things from it, but because it would help my clicks. (laughs) But that's not what's happening, guys. I'm not hating on Intel. I'm just reporting the news. I have an Alder Lake system right here. My laptop is an Intel laptop, and I have no regrets in buying that. I think it's fantastic, even though it has a 14 nanometer chip. But this is, it's just not good. And the only reason Intel is doing this is not because they're lazy or they give up. It's because they can't afford to lose like 400 billion or I'm sorry, 400 million dollars a quarter or something for three years and then keep launching these cards that fail to compete with AMD and NVIDIA's low end. Well, there's just a mountain of used Ampere cards that probably won't sell through on eBay for a year. Intel knows they can't sell these cards. So that's why they're canceling them. Yeah, I I mean, it's like we're putting investing a billion dollars into researching and development to develop uh this thing that people are probably th- that to compete with something that people are now throwing in the trash like yeah i mean i hope you're not if you have a gpu but uh, some people are like they they're competing with they're competing with cards that intel and nvidia i mean amd and nvidia are no longer making money on it's mm-hmm. All right. Crass writes in, hi, Tom and Dan. I'm really confused as to why the whole PC enthusiast space seems unwilling to pin any responsibility on Roger Kadori for the really stilted ARC release. I've heard arguments to the tune of Alchemist was started before Raja. It's not his fault. And this isn't on him. It's a systemic issue in Intel. But honestly, I don't get it. Roger Kadori joined Intel in 2017 a mere three months after Vega 64 hit store shelves. He was there in 2018 when AXG was given its current name and appointed as the head of the group. He was there when the ARC project was announced. Furthermore, in April of this year, Raja got a promotion from SVP to executive vice president on the back of a, in quotes, successful ARC launch. Hmm. I'm not saying Raja should be fired. I don't wish that for anyone. But honestly, when is he going to take responsibility in the eyes of gamers? The way I see it, if you can get the promotion to executive vice president, then you should be able to take the heat. I I agree. I I mean, yeah, I can't talk about the internal politics of freaking AFC or Intel, but like you're professionally the head of this of this division at Intel. Yes. <laughs> it's impossible that not some of this isn't on him even if it's just from an administrative level, like this could have been handled publicly better, you know, even if like the technology, all the technological development, none of it can be pinned on him. You could have handled this from a publicity standpoint a lot better than having seemingly a rogue unit of people talking about it now. Yeah. And I actually thought about this question a lot before we started recording here. Here's what I'll say about Raja from what I can tell. And, and I, I'm somewhat included in that camp of people that you might, if you're being mean to me, you know, if you're being nice, you're saying might be trying to be positive towards people. A negative person might say, I'm making excuses for him. I might be in that camp that's made excuses just because I know enough to know what I don't know. And I know 
I don't work at Intel and know him personally. I've only met Raja once and I liked him in person. He's just a fun guy. I can tell you that much. Um, I mean, I'm very sure funny person. Very charming. <laughs> And I'm sure he's very smart, <laughs> too. And like, I'm sure like, he's smart. I'm sure he's smarter but, than 99.9 repeating amount of people. Here's what I'll say, though, now that I've thought about this. Roger Kadori worked on graphics at Apple. Apple seems to be doing pretty damn well, doesn't it, people? And yeah, he worked at AMD on Vega in a company that was almost going bankrupt. And you can say Vega sucked, but Vega kind of acted as a do-it-all high-end workhorse architecture that and that, architecture, and that architecture is thrown into APUs for years after it was. I mean, yeah, they're just now not having Vega APUs come out, right? I mean, kind of. They're still obviously making and selling some of them. Yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, Vega wasn't really a failure. It's just its high-end gaming iteration really left a lot to be desired, whereas it was very good at like mobile efficiency and small dies and minimum footprints. There were some things that did really well, but let's say that Vega was a mixed bag. Okay, well, then you look at Intel and you're like, you know what? He was there from start to finish and this. The Bucks has to stop somewhere, especially I agree if he was promoted. So what I would say about Raja is, yeah, I think he deserves blame here. He was in charge. There's no way around it. Having said that, at least I would ask people to concede Apple did really well with him leading graphics and Vega was at most a mixed bag. So he's one tie he's like 1.5 out of you know he's one for one <laughs> you did yeah. well at apple did bad at intel and i think there's i would say this i think there's a good argument to be made that if you keep the guy on a leash and you it depends on the how well the company's functioning you throw raja into apple firing on all cylinders with people who are not afraid probably to push back on anything he says there <laughs> like i don't think tim cook takes shit from anybody um yeah, he does great. You put him in AMD, great culture, almost out of money, does okay. Put him in Intel, let him run wild in a company that doesn't know what it's doing. Probably just not the place, right? You know, yeah. how much of it is his fault or not? Well, the buck has to stop somewhere. But if you're going to blame him for that, at least acknowledge it hasn't always been bad. People forget about Apple and stuff. So I don't know. That's what I would say about uh, the whole Raja Intel thing. But yeah, it's. It, I, I think what I would then also add is I think it's impossible to say that he's not going to get heat for how things are turning out here. But I would also say he is smarter than a lot of people and his resume has a lot more successes than people acknowledge. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to have trouble finding, you know, work for the rest of his life, you know, whether at Intel or not. Yeah. OK, I don't know whatever man writes him. Tom, perhaps ARC's cancellation just means that Intel is abandoning the roadmap they are working on. As you've reported, they have actually spent a lot of time and money on this division, but the execution, at least from an end-user perspective, has been horrible. But they have invested a lot in this division, so why not just release truly entry-level one-off GPUs on last-gen nodes from time to time until they prove themselves that they can execute? In small quantities, small selling off stockpiles of ARC dies and making an ARC... Uh, Alchemist Rev 2, maybe an Alchemist Rev 3, similar to what AMD did with Polaris, just so they can still have a foot in the consumer DGPU door. Just my two cents. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't rule out that happens. I wouldn't rule out that they keep doing like small runs of like a million Alchemist revision. Like they do the 4 million they have now, those sell, and they make a fixed Alchemist. They make only a million cards just so they can keep doing driver development. They do one, as I've leaked, 
one low end or something <laughs> monolithic battle mage die they do one celestial die and then if the market gets better and they think they finally got things together then they try to make a a mid-range celestial and then a high-end druid i wouldn't roll that rule that out you know but 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 we're not getting this like mega ba- rdna3 mage, competitor you know battle mage isn't going to be a full launch <laughs> Uh, to what we thought, what they were acting like it was going to be, and what I was told they were trying to make it. Be. When I say Battle Mage isn't going to be a full launch, I mean I don't think there's going to be any cards coming out at the high end that compete with our. I mean, shit. At this point, that you would want it to compete with RDNA four. So, yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, I, I don't know how they're going to spin this. I don't know how much will be canceled, how many people will be fired, or exactly what they do. But from what I'm hearing, if you look at a roadmap, if there was like an internal one in front of us right now of like 10 different dies they're going to, they were supposedly planning on making over the next three years, cross out 90% of it. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's what I mean when I say arcs effectively canceled. I choose my words carefully. I said effectively for a reason. Might they try again? Yes. But are you really going to argue I was, and some people probably will, I know, but are you... In good people, the people who actually talk to me in good faith, are you going to argue I was wrong if we get one low end battle mage laptop card and then nothing out of celestial but a tile they attach to Arrow Lake and then Druid comes out with a couple cards? Was I really wrong? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Dragonetti writes in, been a while, my friend. He's been with the channel for a very long time. Uh, he goes, regarding Intel Arc's cancellation and podcast. Uh, Broken Silicon 165 that you did with John Petty, you're already talking about it. And Mr. Petty mentioned that Intel could make that was Intel was probably going to cancel Arc and that they could maybe sell it off to HP Dell or some other third party. So they could keep developing it further as its own company. Maybe get Mr. Petty back on after a more official affirmation from Intel about the matter and talk about it more then. Um, what I will say is whatever happens, I've got a lot of interesting guests lined up that, uh, <laughs> that will be able to speak to this in, a, in an interesting way. So, but uh, you don't. We don't want to annoy John Petty too much. What I would no. say. Um, but that was interesting. I mean, I think that episode was very good. Go listen to that, guys. Where he we talked about a Blackwell from Nvidia is monolithic, and if Arc was going to be canceled, and so far that conversation's aged very well. You can see my dog Reesey here has a schedule that's almost as busy as mine when we're at the office during a work day. And because of this, we're both always looking for an efficient lunch that we can make quickly that's also very healthy. And we've solved the problem with Vite Ramen, who's a sponsor of this piece of content. Vite Ramen is an eager American company that's crafted a protein and nutrient-dense meal that takes minutes to make without sacrificing taste. This includes their classic packages that make it easy to add protein and other ingredients of your choice while cooking or their new ramen go packages that offer a healthy microwavable option for those who truly only have a 15 minute lunch break click on the link in the description and use the offer code broken silicon to save 10 percent on a variety of different products including special bundles for moore's laws dead fans raw nudes if you want to make up your own recipe vite go packages and other food products and cooking utensils and more whatever you prefer using these offer codes helps support this channel tremendously and it gets you a good deal for a healthy fast and tasty reliable sponsor of moore's laws dead try vite ramen today um 
All right, then. I think we've certainly spent enough time on this, although it's big news. So we spent a lot of time on it for a reason. Uh, but nevertheless, let us move on then to story number four. NVIDIA GTC announced to be a Lovelace reveal and Moore's Laws at Leaks Lovelace release dates. So, in, quoting from PC World for the first part, NVIDIA has sent out invitations to a GeForce Beyond special broadcast at GTC, where we expect to see the RTX 4000 series debuted. I can independently confirm it's at least a teaser, guys. Um, the, this event will be held on Tuesday, September 20th, 2022, at NVIDIA's self-branded GPU technology conference. Uh, where Jensen Wang, a familiar face for PC nerds everywhere, will be giving his usual keynote presentation. So, yep, there it is. And I've been suspecting for a long time, actually. I think we've talked about this, right? GTCs, which I believe this is the second GTC this year, which if you look up their history, wow. <laughs> they usually do one a year or even miss a year. So the fact that they're doing two this year, probably for something important. The, um, the, one, the earlier one this year was a... Kind of boring conference, though, wasn't it? It, it was a, uh, it was quite the snooze fest, yes. Um, unless yeah. you like cartoon or Jensen, you know, then it was <laughs> great. But um, or leather jackets. Well, then it's always a great conference. But I mean, and you know, again, you know, you want leather jackets. Lisa Sue's been wearing a lot of them. She's challenging. She's yeah. challenging him with the leather jacket. <laughs> but I'd still say the best are probably best spatulas, best leather jackets at Nvidia conferences. Um, but yeah, so that's September 20th. Of course, this channel is going to cover it heavily. Um, uh, but I also want to leak some stuff today and I tweeted some of it out over the weekend and I'm now going to add on some quotes on screen as well. So here's this part. Uh, yep. So tune in September 20th for that special and for a video covering it out of Moore's Law is Dead. But also how about we leak some other stuff right now? First of all, multiple sources tell me that much more will be revealed after GTC. So I can't say there will be more than a big teaser at GTC, but I actually think a bulk of information is coming out later in the week. Second, I will also confirm this. The RTX 4090 is planned to launch earlier, early to mid-October. The 4080 and 4070, or possibly called a 4070 Ti based on what I'm seeing in specs, is planned to launch in the first half of November. And then I can also leak today that the channel is stuffed with both new and used Ampere cards that will take a very long time to sell through, and therefore Lovelace is going to need to be priced high. Uh, let me just read these quotes here. And Gerard, this is where you put it on screen. So two sources. First source says that there is still a ton of Ampere in the channel and that he really, this person really thinks that NVIDIA is going to need to price Lovelace like Turing so they can sell it next to Ampere. And this is a source that's been very reliable with me over this whole year. So basically, as much as I've talked about how Ampere is selling through, it still sounds like basically kind of what it sounds like they've managed to sell through is most of the 3090 Ti, but they're mm. still having trouble selling off enough 3080s. And more context is added from a second source, which I'll say is one of the best sources I've had for years, who tells me that there are mountains of unsold Ampere cards about to enter the market, that they're still not mostly there. And this includes both used and new ones. Jensen wasn't kidding, which I believe he said this in a recent earnings call, that they're going to coexist Ampere and Lovelace. Jensen isn't kidding. They really are planning to sell Ampere and Lovelace at the same time for a long time. And that means that Lovelace is going to need to be expensive for segmentation purposes alone, which again, Turing was priced high 
because they could, but also because they had a lot of Pascal to sell through from a mining boom. Same thing sounds like it's happening with Ampere and uh, Lovelace. And um, which I th- there was also a thing that came out of video cards today claiming that a 3068 gigabyte is coming and a 30, I know it's weird, and a 3060 Ti GDR6X. And I've been talking with some sources like, well, how, what are they going to do with Ampere? And I'm like, I think they're going to find a way to sell GA104 for $400 below the 4070. And when I see GDR6X 3060 Ti and a 8 gigabyte version of the 3060, yeah, I think that's what they're just going to disable a mountain of Ampere GA104 dies that I already leaked. They bought back from AIBs. And that's what they're going to do. That's going to be their mid range for a while. Um, I can also confirm from that second source, though, that Lovelace is incredibly expensive to make. That what I'm hearing, I, I expect the 4070 or 4070 Ti, again, not sure if they'll try to call it the 4070 Ti, we'll see. I expect that to be at least 550 if not $600. In fact, it would make more sense to me if they like called it the 4070 Ti as well, so they can say, oh, it's $600, just like the 3070 Ti. And therefore, they're just going to have that there. And then they're just going to have just a mountain of 3080s, like hopefully below 600 that they can sell off without completely losing all margin in the process. Although I, I think at below $600, the 3080 is probably only making like a 20% profit at most or something. But they're going to have to do that. And I think then that means the 4080 is going to be 800 to $1,000. So it's firmly above the used 3090s that it's stronger than. And then the 4090, from what I hear, is more expensive to make than like the 3090 and probably the 3090 Ti. That I think the thir- I think the 4090 could be over two grand, guys. So I would just put it as more expensive, almost certainly than the 3090 at this point, which was fifteen hundred dollars. And don't be surprised if it's like twenty five hundred or something. Like re- like it really is a huge four nanometer die with insane cooling and board costs. It, it's going to cost a lot, and they have to do this like they did with Turing. Uh, but yeah, so that was my leak for today, <laughs> launch dates, pricing, and the fact that we don't need Alchemist because there's just endless Ampere cards for the next year. What do you think, Dan? Uh, I, I mean, it's kind of the, <laughs> the, the sad reality of like how the market or how they have to respond to Ampere being uh, in such a high supply as, well, they only release like the very high-end models, so actually something like the 4070 Ti instead of the 4070 coming out first kind of makes sense, where they only launch cards that I would think performance-wise would be above a 3090, so they can position them all above the 3090 that will, or above whatever cards they're going to be selling uh, from Ampere by that point, because by the time they come out, I expect the 3090 stock will, and probably 3080 stock will have dried up. But you know, if they have a 4070 that performs at a 40 at the performance of a 3090 or something, and they sell that for six hundred dollars, I guess that looks good uh, from a relative perspective. And then they have a 3070 that they can probably still sell for like what three fifty? I, I still feel like it's a oh, what seventy a thirty seventy a thirty seventy yeah what, or like a thirty sixty Ti GDR six X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, something at, at that level that mm-hmm. they can sell for like three hundred fifty dollars. Because at a certain point, if they tried to do like four, have cards at like the four four fifty dollar price point, I think it would look a little absurd compared to Lovelace. 
Mm-hmm. Let me see here. Yeah, so I'm just looking over the 3060 Ti GDR6X leak thing. Yeah, it, it, to me, it seems like they would try to sell. I don't know. I don't know what official MSRP they would give. Would they finally buckle and admit their lowering prices? But I would guess they try to sell the 3068 gigabyte for 300, and then mm-hmm. they try to sell the 3060 Ti GDR6X for 430. I don't know, 420, they just add 20 bucks and then they're like, you know, with GDR6X, but assumedly less, I'm guessing they'd go with more, I'm guessing, guessing, guys, Mm -hmm. guessing they go with more CUDA cores than the standard 3060 Ti. So maybe it has like 5,120 CUDA cores. I think what they'd end up giving you is something that's an almost 3070 performance that they sell for 420, hashtag lit. And then they'd say, yep, and, you know, that's 3070 performance for $420. You add 30% to the cost, and you're getting close to 4070 pricing at 600 So if you want cheaper, get the 3060 Ti GDR6X. If you want next-gen performance, get the 4070 or 4070 Ti, whatever they call it. Yeah. Uh, uh, because, I mean, they're just at a position where, you know, that's kind of what they have to do. And, uh I I I was hoping for a uh, reality where they wouldn't try to increase prices, but you know, I just they they don't have to <laughs> they they don't have to abide by that hope. Like, eh, they can probably get away with selling the forty eighty for uh, I don't know maybe even nine hundred dollars or something. May all I can hope is that there's some backlash at a certain point to them increasing the price of their tiers year over year over and over again. But I don't know. I, I think most people are satisfied by like 3070 f- level performance. So mm-hmm. if they bring that down, I guess most people will be satisfied, even if it means another increase in tier- <laughs> in pricing for their respective tiers. Right. And then you think about like, we get back to some of the other things I've said before that I need to reiterate. Like number one, like why is AMD not launching the 7600 XT? And just using it for laptop at first why like it would have to compete with <laughs> like 400 or less 36 like 3070 performance and so i mean that means they could charge maybe 450 or more but and then there's like gonna be like used 3080s for the same price they're yeah it's just not the time to launch navi 33 and, and you know and aim so amd is making that decision for a reason and you know nvidia is making these decisions for a reason as well why you know, might the 4090 cost two grand or 1700 or whatever it ends up costing because it has to guys, because it's bomb cost is from what I'm hearing, absurd, absurd. <laughs> like, and why might they sell the 4070 for, or 4070 Ti for 600, maybe 650 because they have to, because four nanometer costs twice as much per wafer as Samsung's eight nanometer, twice as much. And it, the cooling is the same as like a 30, 70 ti so you're looking at a bomb then for the 4070 that probably approaches like four like five hundred dollars or so like they have to like if they want to make margin and i think they're going to accept lower margins than before but i think even to make decent ones they're gonna like that they can swallow they're gonna have to sell for 600 and this is where amd i think has just a uh a major advantage here because from what i'm also hearing 
I don't know. Obviously, you know, don't take this, what I'm saying here is gospel or like, is the, don't take it as the final word until I put out a leak where I like say, I'm sure of this stuff, but it kind of sounds like AMD isn't going buck wild. Like they don't care if they win or lose by 5%. They know they're going to be close to the 4090 at least. And they just want to make sure what they make isn't too expensive and doesn't require a new power supply that they think their winning combination with Navi 31 is being about the same performance and using 100 watts less or something than the 4090. So I, I will say that's going to be part of probably an upcoming leak here. But I'll, I think that AMD knows that this market doesn't need a $3,000 500-watt card because it's, it's, who is it for, you know? And that yeah. We have to hope that, uh, <laughs> that they think that at a certain point because, I don't know, if some marketing team thinks that they could sell it, you know, that would be the new high-end card sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to think of what else to say about this. I mean, again, just to recap, so September 20th is at least when you're going to get a Lovelace teaser from NVIDIA. Of course, I will cover that. I think we might get some early specs. We'll see. I think throughout that week, more information is going to keep dropping about Lovelace as we get into, yeah. And then the final week of September, everything will probably be revealed then. Early to mid-October is when the 4090 launches, and I do believe will be roughly the double the performance of the 3090. Just to say, I don't know, does that make it 60 to 80% better than the 3090 Ti? And then in early to mid-November, we're going to get the 4070 or 4070 Ti and the 4080. Both of those, you know, the 4070, 4070 Ti being 3090 Ti are slightly better performance. 4080 probably being, what do I have it down as? Probably like 30 to 50%. 30, 30, 40, 25 to 40% better probably than the 3090, 3090i. So, yep, that's when that's all coming. And then probably right after that, like a right in the middle of November, we get RDNA 3, and I think it's going to use less energy and probably be much cheaper per performance. Uh, that's it. We know when things are coming out. I've told you when they're roughly going to cost. And uh, yeah. yeah, exciting. There it is. But, you know, we're covering the details as we move forward. Halgari writes in and he says, Hey Tom, how much do you think Lovelace supply will be affected by everyone splurging on 3090 and 3080 half off cards right now? Um, I mean, here's the, here's the thing. The reason a NVIDIA is launching the 4070, 4080 and 4090 this year and not waiting, even though they have a mountain of Ampere cards is twofold. Number one, they think they have to, they need to have, the 4080 and 4070, and some MSRP, even if it's a bullshit one, we'll see, on the charts, on hardware unboxed, when Navi 31 launches. NVIDIA does not want AMD launching all of these cards, especially if there's any chance they'll take the crown, and NVIDIA doesn't have an answer to all of them. So that's the first reason. Answer number two is they bought up the wafer capacity from TSMC ahead of time, and TSMC said they would hold it an extra quarter. I do believe NVIDIA wanted to launch August or September. Hmm. TSMC said. And this is pub. This has been leaked by mm-hmm. Digi Times and confirmed. Like TSMC is like, you signed the contract. All we're gonna do is keep making it when we said we will, and maybe hold it a couple extra months. But you're then we're shipping them. So Nvidia has to do something with them. They don't want to hold them in stock. So that that's what Nvidia is doing. You know, is it gonna affect Lovelace supply? I think Nvidia is gonna walk this tightrope where they have like a year's worth of Ampere cards and a year's worth of Lovelace cards. They tried to cut Lovelace orders. So I think they have a year's worth well, of both. It, and it is a tightrope walk because if it, <laughs> and it would it might be good for uh, consumers if they did mishandle the tightrope walk, because if they do, well, then the prices might fall out from under them. 
Right. I, and I, I think it's, I here's how I'd put that then. I think it's impossible for NVIDIA to walk this tightrope perfectly and prices are going to keep going down through the end of this year and quarter one with, with some weeks being a little more expensive because it's the holiday season. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, and I think what they're going to do is they're going to say, okay, we've sold through GA 102, put more 3060 and 3060 TIs out. And oh, those have sold through. All right, put a few more 4070s out. I think they're going to balance the four nanometer, eight nanometer supply back and forth and try to make you feel like you have to buy one or the other every month where it's like, well, this is what's in stock now. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, that's what I think is going to happen. Um, and so I don't know. It'll be fascinating to see how much more aggressively AMD is willing to price RDNA 3 because they certainly aren't entering into a market that will tolerate super high prices. And if you think about the Angstronomics leak, if that thing's correct on the die sizes, which it certainly could be from what I'm hearing, at least even if it's even remotely correct, it sounds like the cost to make like a 7900 XT might be half as much as it costs to make a 4090. So I don't know. Maybe we'll Mm -hmm. see a 7900 XT for 1200 that matches the 4090 that's 2000 and uses less energy and a 7800 XT that's like, $800 $800 and beats the $900 4080. I don't know how Nvidia responds to that, but I think AMD doesn't care because this is their chance to take the mind share. Yeah. <laughs> um, Intet writes in and he says, I asked before if graphics card length will increase and you said most likely not. Could you please look into this with some more concrete information with Adam board partners about the 4090 length? So we can start planning our PC builds with the upcoming processors, boards, and cards. It's probably not just I who is trying to plan ahead with a new complete build. And I fear that cases I like might be gone for a while when the new processors drop. So I understand if it's not possible and it could reveal sources, but if you could, please tell me. I would appreciate it. Yeah, I won't disregard your question a second time here. So I've looked at, I, and I have looked at this a little bit today. I would say... Moving forward, guys, you're going to want at least 12 inches and 2.5 slots free for graphics cards if you don't want to be restricted to specific models, which I am. And I have that, you know, RTX 3090 Arrow, which is like a unicorn model, but it fits in my case. I still manage to get one of the strongest cards into my case's size. So I would say, though, moving forward, I have about enough room for three slots and 12 inches. Everyone should at least plan for that because it's already hard now with the 3090. And I do think yeah. the 4090 is a little bigger. And I think if you want to be safe to have almost every card, I mean, wouldn't you agree, Dan? I think you need 14 inches and four slots moving forward. And I do keep hearing about four slot variants of Lovelace potentially coming, which we'll I'm sure there's going to be least. a couple. But <laughs> oh, for certainly I, I mean, AIB models, but even maybe a reference still, I'm hearing. I, 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 I would say, yeah, if you. At a minimum, 14 inches will probably get you. It will only be a slight pain in the ass to get certain cards in your case. <laughs> Usually 14 inches is a huge pain in the ass. Uh-huh. I'll be here all night. I'll be here all night, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, go on. No, I, I don't really have anything else to add to that. I mean, it's just eh, 14, <laughs> 14 inches of space might give you enough room for like you not having to do some uh, like geometry to figure out how to get your graphics card and certain graphics cards into the case. Right. And I guess that's what me and you would look, you're always going to be able to, I think you'll usually be able to find some model moving forward that fits within 12 inches and 2.5 slots. That's about what I have. I could actually make it a full three slots or a little more than that. If I really move some things around with how I've organized my fans, but you know, 
that's the kind of minimum to have a decent amount of options at this point. And then if you want to accept most cards that are coming from, especially from NVIDIA over the next few years, I think you need four slots and 14 inches to be safe. Cause even yeah. some founders cards are going to be huge. Um, alrighty then let us now move on to story. Number five, U S restricts sales of sophisticated chips to China and Russia affecting NVIDIA heavily. According from the New York Times, the Biden administration has imposed new restrictions on sales of some sophisticated computer chips to China and Russia. The U.S. government's latest attempt to use semiconductors as a tool to hobble rivals' advances in fields such as high-performance computing and artificial intelligence. The new limits affect high-end models of chips known as graphics processing units or GPUs. That's from the New York Times, yeah, guys, so is how it's written. Um, which are sold by Silicon Valley companies such as NVIDIA and Advanced Micro Devices. I'm sure you guys have heard of them. Um, such products were originally developed to render images and video games, but in the past decade were widely deployed in the largest supercomputers used by scientists and by internet companies for applications such as recognizing speech and objects and photographs. Maybe I should have quoted from a tech outlet instead of New York Times. That was written like no one's ever heard of a graphics card. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, from what I'm hearing, I think a Jensen said that it might affect like $400 million worth of sales. It does affect Hopper. Um, and uh, I thought this deserved a main story. I mean, it's, it affects AMD. It affects Intel. But I think it's worth pointing out that it really affects NVIDIA in a time where I think they were hoping to maybe even take some of those GA102s they bought back and dump them as A5000s for half off. Because remember, an A5000 half off still makes its money back. Well, and now they can't. And especially with NVIDIA, you know, being so heavily involved in uh, at least uh, marketing their hardware for, you know, research. I, I actually don't know what they mean by the top of the line uh, or where that cutoff is for top of the line. Basically the A series is no longer sellable in these okay. countries, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that will affect a lot of sales to uh, certain types of research <laughs> and uh, China is especially is very big in research, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, what I would say is this is bad news for the Chinese defense and AI industries and on. Fortunately for the West, it's good for <laughs> graphics card prices here. I don't know. I thought it deserved yeah. the main story, though, because it really is worth reiterating, I think, how many things are going on right now that make this a perfect storm for building a system. This is feeling like 2016 again or something where it, this, yeah. things are going to get cheap over the next eight months, I think, for the U.S. and for Western Europe. Well, things well, are <laughs> those things are going to get cheap. Yeah. Other things, who the hell knows, but. It, to uh, some extent, it just feels like the <laughs> like there's usually a gentle decline in prices for uh, uh, previous generations of hardware, and this it's just a trap door is going to open. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and and, and honestly, I think moving forward, that's what we're probably going to see over the next uh, like, like just over the next like five years. I think unless of this, oh, and then this, and it's predictable. We're going to have a lot more variance and instability and you're going to be like oh everything's half off this year next year oh everything's four times as expensive and i just think mm -hmm. you know buy what you need when you need it nothing more because you're gonna see a lot of this i think moving forward um but all right let us now move on to story number six new iphone 14 and apple watch models announced with nearly no increase in soc performance quoting from mark jump at golem.de apple didn't give the a6 team the SoC in the new iPhone 14 Pro Max, even three minutes of airtime in the latest Apple event. And Johnny Shruji, 
Sen- I hope I said that right. Probably not. Senior VP for hardware technology at Apple was once again conspicuously absent from the presentation of a new Apple SoC. No wonder, though, because the A16 differs comparatively little from the A15 that was already primarily a revised A14 chip. That doesn't mean we're dealing with a slower, even bad processor. On the contrary, as Apple fairly points out, the three-year-old A13 is still faster than almost all the competition, and that would mean the A14, A15, and certainly A16 uh, is still a cutting-edge SoC in performance. Uh, But it also shows, and this is worth talking about, that the A16... It proves that Apple being a so-called fabulous company really is dependent on what its foundry partners can offer. But uh, let us then move past that and quote, you know, because this is Apple's one of the major semiconductor companies. Um, Apple is still relying on the four nanometer process. Uh, well, now they're calling it a four nanometer instead of five. I actually heard from Daniel Nenny that they could have called the A15 chip four nanometer if they probably wanted to. But instead they said like extra custom five nanometer. Uh, but yeah, so they're calling it four nanometer now, um, and they that should allow like a 5% speed increase, which seems in line with what they've said it has. It has 16 billion transistors versus 15 billion in the A15, two big cores, four little cores, but it does also have a 50% bandwidth increase thanks to going from LPDDR4X to LPDDR5. And uh, outside of that, though, that's really it. I mean, the iPhone Pro, the iPhone 14 Pro Max is a 48 megapixel camera that uses AI to combine four times 12 megapixel pictures into a single picture to enhance clarity, color, and lighting. I thought that was fascinating. And it also, uh, the iPhone 14 literally just uses like an upgraded overclocked per model Mm -hmm. A15 uh, A15 SoC. But it now also has limited satellite connectivity, Dan. (laughs) Which is like, okay, well, that's... It's actually it's, it's it's I encourage people to go into the description and watch that part of the presentation. The way they're handling satellite connectivity is interesting. They basically put like the like the best they could do to not have to have some big thick antenna like most satellite phones and you have to like stand at a perfect angle but the app helps you direct it towards the satellite and they have a compression algorithm and I guess they just give you 2 years of support with an Apple emergency support staff that takes that compressed information and helps you get support from emergency personnel if you need it. I, I think that I, I actually think that's kind of crazy. They've added some satellite connectivity to the phone. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Apple Watch Ultra seems cool. It has up to 2000 nits of brightness so you can see it in a bright desert. It works to negative 20 degrees Celsius or 55. So negative four Fahrenheit or 131 degrees Fahrenheit. And it's ocean proof down 40 meters. It has double GPS capability, like the latest bands, and an 86 decibel siren. Or we will say 60 hours of battery life in low power mode seems way weaker than what it should be compared to the other specs, and it's $800. But I don't know. That's uh, that was worth covering this. This was big news this week. Um, I will also say on a personal note, it is kind of hilarious how slick their presentation is. They go to some <laughs> cool music. The camera turns upside down and it zooms across a mountain range. And then just there's just like an Apple vice president on the top of a mountain in California, like the latest Apple. And it's just like, so they just what they flew him there in a helicopter so they could film this guy. I guess so. And they needed to do that, Tom. Some of it's a little cringe, though. Like the part that made me cringe was the like intro for the. The. um, I watch Ultra (laughs) like 
they like had like a Winston Churchill quote playing or something while they showed it off and like showed an astronaut in the background. I'm like, hey, calm down. Okay. <laughs> Imagine how much better the storming of Normandy would have been if they all had, had Apple, Apple watches. watches Ultra. I know. <laughs> well, it certainly would have been waterproof. And yeah, you know, I mean, like that would have made it cringe to the next levels if they like showed a U.S. soldier in World War II wishing he had an eye watch. That would have just. That I mean, chef's kiss. If they would have had the balls, <laughs> if they that. would have just said, "Just yeah, jumped the shark on it." This is what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah, but it was still pretty cringy in a few parts. But I, I still got to say, like uh, a lot of these companies could learn from Apple's presentations and probably budget to yeah. record that. <laughs> Let's be honest uh, in terms of how slick the presentation was. But all right, what do what do you think about all this? I do think it's worth mentioning that a- Apple is just stuck on four nanometer. Yeah, I suppose. I I mean, I do wonder to an extent how much this is out of necessity or if this is just them not increasing the performance of their SOC or not going that much into increasing the performance of their SOCs this year because, I don't know, iPhones work pretty well already and devoting devoting things to other features that they're putting into the uh, next model of iPhone might take precedent to having a i don't know slightly better <laughs> a, a slightly better soc for the iphone yeah i mean i would agree i i think it is totally also worth pointing out like apple had to have said i mean they put out a new iphone every freaking year they keep doing it and granted they take a few years to plan but there had the, you do wonder if they were like you know it might be a down year it'd be dumb for us to focus on like green animator that makes it ultra expensive let's focus on safety features hey uncertain world people are you know there's there's a lot of uncertainty out there this is the year to not raise costs and focus on safety and ruggedness Mm -hmm. i think good decisions i think there's legitimate decisions they may have focused on what they did focus on this year but i still but i i guess it is still worth pointing out that just five nanometer five nanometer four just goes to show that uh tsmc is three nanometer is not as desirable as they probably at least not as desirable yeah that's as true it was right now yeah um were there any and, and you know and again though you could also just say like i mean they're already top performance so like what are they competing with the race performance that's not true tom the uh android they have eight cores so Right. <clears throat> That's what you want. Eight cores, not two cores with IPC comparable to laptops or something. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. The, the only other thing I have with this is that uh, Apple Watch is getting real expensive. Yeah. I Again, I think. All right. It is. It is like certified with scuba certification stand. So it's like some of that makes sense to me why it's expensive. But I would really That's want true. like a one week battery life here. It would be nice. Yeah. I mean less than three days on low power mode i don't know battery longevity is how ha- is a big portion of what makes something rugged in my eyes but i don't know <clears throat> just me there all righty i'm getting tired let us please move on to the wrap up now this is of course the portion where we go through a few stories briefly that weren't big enough to get their own story but are still worth mentioning um fsr 2.0 coming to deep rock galactic dan you of course have an AMD graphics card that you game with regularly and we play Deep Rock Galactic regularly. I'm excited to see 
how well that runs, you know, because you didn't like yeah. RSR and you said RSR 1.0 is okay, right? Yeah. Uh, I still haven't been able to try out FSR 2.0, but... I guess I can try it too, though, because it works on everyone. So what am I saying? That's true. They say, AMD. You do it, Tom. Yeah, you do it, Tom. Also, they've already put out FSR 2.1 to, I think, Farming Simulator, if I remember correctly, uh, in this article. Yeah, this yeah Farming Simulator here. And so they're already rolling out a 2.1 FSR that that fixes shimmering issues in a select bunch of games. So, again, just... Pointing out the clip that AMD is innovating FSR here, mm-hmm. like, like they really do want it to be on par with DLSS when RDNA three launches. Uh, GPU Z adds engineering sample masking feature, which I think is interesting because um, I guess you know a lot of test houses use GPU Z, and they these companies are tired <laughs> of that leaking GPU-Z. stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's interesting that they're adding that um also there has been a new amd naming scheme detailed for mobile which is starting to look a little intelish with a bunch of different numbers i don't know how much i have to go through this <laughs> but they have e for 9 watt c for 15 to 28 watt oh that's new u for 15 to 28 watt hs for 35 for around 35 watt and hx for 55 watts and higher I guess H would conceivably be in between those two if they use that anymore. And then let me see here. What is it? Architecture. One is one and plus. Two is two. Yeah, I okay. Yeah, all right. Oh, and then the portfolio model near seven, eight, and nine. Oh, so I guess Mm. this also confirms that in 2023, Phoenix is 7,000 series still. And 8,000 will be used for 2024, 9,000 for 2025. So there you go. I guess that, that is kind of new information. Not really, yeah, though. I, I mean, <laughs> they put out a new card, uh, I mean, a new APU every year or line of APUs every year, pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That that was worth mentioning. Um, let me move on here then. Oh, so this was initially reported as the PS4 being overclocked and performing above expectations. From what I'm reading here at the top here, not overclocked mm-hmm. the overclocks did not stick apparently the ps4 has linux running on it now they benchmarked it in unity in heaven and it scored like a gtx 670 there you go everybody told you it is not a 7 770 it is not a 7 790 on average the ps4 is at least around a 7 870 it has extra ropes extra bandwidth compared to cars at the time i know it has less stream processors than the 7 870 but it has faster more has more bandwidth more rps asynchronous compute units all right maybe not more rps but more asynchronous compute units i should have said sorry it it performs like it's totally there with like high-end 7870 and i stand vindicated where i placed it on the (laughs) gpu hierarchy chart which was just updated by the way in preparation for lovelace Eh, yeah i mean i i guess the people that were trying to say it's uh Weaker than it is for the past 10 years, you're wrong. Yep. And the, by the way, guys, if they ever get Linux on the PS5, just like I was right about the PS4's performance, they're not going to fucking find the PS5 is as strong as a 2060, like some people claimed. You're going to find that it's between like an RX 6700 and a 3070, depending on the game, somewhere around there, which makes it very hard to place on our chart because of how many cards are in that performance range. But all right, and then the final thing in the wrap-up, Dan, there's a new Xbox Elite controller that is cheaper 
that it functionally looks like it's just a way to say they're dropping the price without saying they're dropping the price of the elite controller but you know i guess it's 130 bucks now or something right yeah which is totally in preparation for the new premium version of the playstation dual sense so I don't know that I have much to say about that. It's just, I think, no. funny to see another example of these companies like doing price drops and like just not calling them price drops. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I guess so, th- there's definitely some college that was teaching marketing and something that at some point five years ago taught or 10 years ago taught a bunch of marketers never drop the price, change the name. Like, because everyone's doing it. I wonder if there was like, if that just became in like one textbook every university used. You know, we didn't go to marketing school, Tom, so there's no real, there's no way for us to know. All righty. And now let us get to the final two reader mails. Of course, you guys can submit reader mails to support us on Patreon, just like King Koro did. And he asked, Hi, Tom and Dan. In AMD's recent Together We Advanced PCs live stream, <laughs> I did read it in a condes- uh, an annoyed way because it is. A slide at the beginning teased XDNA adaptive SOCs, and it made me think about AMD's acquisition of Xilinx again, as Xilinx has been using the term adaptive SOCs for many years now already. In their financial analyst day 2022, they seem to have already disclosed the part of the XDNA IP inside Ryzen consumer and that will be using an AI engine interface for accelerators inherited from Xilinx with some sort of FPGA fabric in between and some image signal processing that will debut in Phoenix Point products next year. I feel like XDNA has been mostly overlooked by the general tech press so far, but I really think that AMD's approach to having these configurable semi-FPGA like NPUs could be a game changer in APUs. I'd like to know from you or your guests or Dan's perspective, if they have any technical details on the XDNA slash AI engine coming in Ryzen, consumer and embedded products. How would these be similar, be similar to FPGAs? Like how flexible are they for non-AI DSP workloads and how deep down will you be able to program them? Uh, well, so I don't think me and Dan can speak to them too specifically. What I'll say is the AI engine thing is a little elusive in exactly what it can do so far. And this is one of those, I suspect, secret weapons in Phoenix that AMD is keeping very close to the chest. Um, I I have some suspicions about what, I'm, I'm just not going to talk about it until I'm pretty sure. But what I would say is look what AMD's been able to do with Rembrandt. Like without some complex AI engine, they literally run like Netflix at 24 frames on one part of the screen and they move the part of the screen with your cursor on it at 60 frames and just have static images for the rest. And they can get Mm -hmm. up to like 29 hours of battery life on many laptops watching YouTube. That's crazy. With AI engine, who's no, who knows what they'll be able to do. It's exciting, but there's a reason they're including them. I think they will find uses for them. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I Once again, I talked about that. I don't think every freaking company would be moving to having AI engines on their uh, silicon unless they were going to be very heavily used in the next coming years. All righty. TMC Payton writes in, Howdy, Tom and John. Hmm. Guess you're John now, Dan. Like Tom, I studied mechanical engineering in college. I took courses in MEMS recently, and I found it fascinating. What is your intermediate to long-term outlook for MEMS as a whole? What specific applications do you believe MEMS might explode into soon? Are there any MEMS technological breakthroughs on the horizon you're excited about? Thank you both. MEMS, by the way, stands for Microelectromagnetic Systems, a process technology used to create tiny integrated devices and mechanical systems that can combine both mechanical and electrical components. Well, speaking of explode, I bet they're used in bombs. 
<laughs> you know, but uh, besides that, um, you know, the best use I see for this is government. Like, I, like you know, compa compact mechanical microcomputers that have extra reliability for the portions that are mechanical that don't need to be capable of complex computations, but still need a computer. And, and for that, it's like, I mean, let's be honest, missiles, long range missiles is what I would use those for, if you ask me. Um, long term in laptops, I don't know. Maybe they could make a mechanical watch, though, that you don't need to put a stupid battery in for his, you know, I don't know. I, well, you still need the battery for it, though, because, you know, so I don't know. But something like that. The only other thing I can think of is they currently seem to be used in a lot of uh, a lot of a uh, bioinformatics uh, hardware or oh. not not computers, but the uh, a, a, a big uh, thing for like high throughput biology crap is microfluidics. And that's pretty <laughs> that's a pretty uh these MEMS are pretty important for uh, microfluidic devices. So, so as I, these are used more, you'll be very because this is what you do bioinformatics. So, not not much. I, I do more of the bio the biology crap, but I look Nerd. at a lot of bioinformatics data. <laughs> Everyone has to look at a lot of bioinformatics data in biology, but right. So, all right. Well, I'm glad you could speak to that specifically. I guess that means we'll be able to we'll be able to tap on you. Maybe you dork to talk <laughs> yeah. about it moving forward. But yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess that just tells you though, right? I study mechanical engineering. What do you think you'll use it for? I'm like bombs. What an answer for a mechanical engineer. And then Dan biologist in DNA. Oh, I think we'll use it for. <laughs> Genoma. So I guess me and you both said, <laughs> we both think we would use it if we were, if I was doing that work. So yeah. I, that just goes to show you that if I think you could make an observation that we both found immediate uses in the fields we studied. Everyone probably will. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, that was a fun reader mail to go out on. Um, I guess a reminder one more time that if you want to submit reader mails, you can if you support us on Patreon. We cannot do this without our patrons. Um, you also get access to the Moore's Law State Discord. You can talk with me about videos and podcasts after they come out. You get early ad free ac access to Broken Silicon. If we hit the next Broken Silicon goal, we're going to add independently hosted ad-free video for broken silicon guys get there and we we're working on that it just requ it's requiring some work so <laughs> please help us get to that 1536 patron goal we've been stuck below that for a while it'd be awesome if we could hit that this year and uh you know you got this leak about lovelace early if you did at the proper tier and then outside of that you also get to ask us questions there's a bunch of content you get in features um and Remember to tell your friends about us, subscribe to Moore's Law Z, hit that annoying bell button so you actually subscribe and get our content when it comes out. <laughs> or as some people say, ring that frickin' bell. Oh, yes, and smash those mother and lock buttons. And then, you know, <laughs> subscribe to Moore's Law, uh, to Broken Silicon, your podcast app of choice, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps a lot, too. That's it, Dan. I'm exhausted. I put Got out it. a leak. I didn't think I, I put out two weeks basically this weekend when I thought I was hoping to have a weekend off. Guess not. It's been uh, a, <laughs> but it's you know, it's just that it's that type of season and a busy year. So yeah, you know what's good is what's good is what's what's work. I have a stroke. What's the more work, the more tired I am. The more I stutter, but also the better it is for the channel. So I won't complain too much. Any other final words, Dan? 
No, I don't think so. All right. Hope you enjoyed, everybody. Have a great week, and uh, thanks for listening and or watching. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Laws Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Laws Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover State's podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Ad Bedlin, Drita Full, AV, Anthony Greffa, Greg Pataki, Muhammad Akwari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, Little Germany, Jan Rauner, Daniel Hyde, Shredbird, Brian Riggleman, Dr. Foreman, Sam Miller, Deke, Thomas Rupp, Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Herod, SNES Chalmers, Tom Bailey, Greg T. Wanchuk, Andrew S., Frank Zielinski, Daniel D., MJB1, Eric Jackson, Justice Brennan, Sammy Good, Valco Malev, The Boss Haas, Nicholas Buckner, Spamptum G. Spamptum, Jonathan, Lord Starscream, General Gyps, Blake, Franco Frederick, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Azuris, Greg S. Acker, Dominique Cock, Jake Dew23, Jake Martin, Cameron, Christian Lovoy, HardForum.com, Original Ross, Slicky, Lance Bassler, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Chris Frey Butler, Jeezy Ziggy, Sarcastro, Stefan Hart, Jason B., Mead and Pork, Stu, Tim Robb, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jeskowiak, Travis Gooden, Holden Mobley, Nanny and Chris Rich, Deepest Learners, Mads, Zutsu Taylor, Stefan Coates, Michael McGee, Chuck Glidden, Sammy Malas, Greg, Ah Trini, Patrick Groh, Amiable Chief, Brett Summers, Annie Nguyen, Stephen Dick, Tommy, Kundin, Brucha, Mark Mitchell, McDaffy, Delmaine Peterson, James Anderson, Y Tree, Mark Raidmaker, Dave Schultz, 3DS Boy 08, Al Buma, Narithio, Matthew Landavazo, Stefan, Cole Addict, Henry Zhang, Judson N, Brendan O'Connell, The Grid, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics, Jason Bowen, Noah Nicoel, Puma, Chrysantine, Jerome Ferriera, Mayor, D Sis, Thomas Steve. Precision, DNA Tech, 50C Desert, John O'Shea, Royce Meyer, Charles Russell, Reginald Ari, Slushbot, T. Cottom, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Neth, 
Rizink, David Eastland, Cal, Andre Jacques, Gaiman, Since Reagan, Jeff Seller, Jordan Simkovic, Loophole 35, Windstar, Joker, James Irander, Corey Leonard, Nail Lima, John Shin, Justin Bustle, Kelvin, Austin Haggerty, Roger Daly's, Shea, Julian Leaked, Corey Chappelle, Evan Dingle, C2, Timothy Baldridge, Samuel Park, Radiant Technologies Group, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. Sorry for my dog sneezing. I think you may have heard that while I was reading the names. 